Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia. Hello, welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. And I'm sorry, I accidentally had the live show on private for a little bit, so I don't know if you were trying to get on, but hopefully everyone's here. Um, I see I have all my moderators here right now, uh, or most of them, PG Nano Farm, 13 Moons Homestead, and Green Dream Project. Thank you so much for being here. And um, if you're here live, I'm so glad you're here. If you're listening to the podcast, that is awesome too. So thank you very much. Uh, Today we're going to talk about a big day as a chicken parent. It's your biggest day as a chicken parent. (laughs) We're going to talk about putting your baby chicks outside. Now, we know that's a big day and it's a hard day. Nobody wants to like kick them out of the house or maybe you're ready. Maybe you're ready to kick them out of the house because they're driving you nuts. (laughs) Um and I do have a video about it. Uh, I will put that video in the uh, description here, and I will put it in the show notes. It's called, When Can Baby Chicks Go Outside? So uh, you can watch that, and we're going to get into it here. Anita Nunley, thank you so much for being here. She says, hello, I've learned so much from you. Yay! John Ridinger, I hope I'm saying that right. Thank you for being here. He says, I love your videos. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah, um, I tell you what, my brain today is uh, like scrambled egg, (laughs) which is okay because this is a chicken show, so it's relevant. (laughs) But um, I have an exciting project going on right now that I cannot talk about. I'm sorry. I can't talk about it. Um, but it is taking up a lot of my time and my like mental capacity. (laughs) So if I am, um, tripping over my words today, I'm sorry. And I'm just keeping it real, keeping it real in Chickenlandia. I want to say hi to some of the people that are here live Sunny's Place is here. Thank you for being here. Christina's Corner. Thank you so much for being here. And what we've been doing is, um, you know, I have people that submit questions every week to to be answered on Bot Talk. And if you want to submit a question, all you have to do is go to welcometochickenlandia.com. 
go to the contact section and then you'll see there's a, a place where you can ask a chicken question. It's a little scroll down menu. So that's how you can go and ask your chicken question. I try to get to the submitted questions first. And then once I'm done with that, we can do a little bit of Q&A uh, with the audience here. So I appreciate your patience. And remember, if you want to submit a question to go to my website. Uh, Myra, am I saying your, la your name right? Myra Jimenez. Hi, love all your videos. I learned so much. Mayan music is here. <laughs> you behave yourself, Mayan music. <laughs> oh, okay. So we are just going to get started. We're going to talk about baby chicks. And first, I'm going to just give you the rundown. Just in case you don't know, this is the rundown for putting your baby chicks outside Basically, you need to wait until usually they're about between six to eight weeks old. Sometimes it's a little bit less. Sometimes it's a little bit more. A lot of that depends on the climate that you live in and also the type of bird that you have. So if you have standard chicks, they're going to feather out quicker and they're going to be ready to go outside faster than some little itty bitty designer bantam. <laughs> so they might take a little bit longer before they're ready to go outside. But generally it's about between six to eight weeks and they need to be fully feathered. Or if you're in a, a more mild climate, they need to be almost fully feathered. And I mean like just a little bit of tuft on the head is okay. And and that's only if you live in a in a very mild climate. Um, and I, I just, I know that people will put them out sooner. I really just like to play it safe. And of course you use your best judgment and, and do your research and find what works for you. Um, if it is still getting cold at night where you are, even if your if your baby chicks are fully feathered, you might have to bring them inside at night. If it's like, you know, getting into the forties, or 30s, and definitely if it's below freezing, they're going to need to be acclimated a lot slower to the climate outside if it's still getting that cold. If you just throw them outside, and especially if it's below freezing, they, they will likely not make it through the night. So, I mean, depending on how many chicks you have. So um, I do not recommend that. You may have to just do it slower, and you might, and don't, you know, don't uh, don't freak out when I say this, but <laughs> you may need to add some safe supplemental heat if it's very cold outside and you have chicks that need to go outside. Um, and when I say safe, I mean safer because anytime you introduce electricity in anywhere, there's a fire hazard. So um, if you're introducing electricity outside, that there is still some fire hazard with that, but a panel heater or a radiant brooder, those are safer alternatives than a heat lamp. Heat lamps do present more of a fire hazard. So I feel like I should mention that. And then I also think that, you know, when you're putting your baby chicks outside, it's, it's not just a process that happens from six to eight weeks but it's something that you can start doing from the time that they're like two weeks on if the weather allows for that. So if they're about two weeks old, 
and it's like in the 60s outside and it's sunny, you can totally let them outside for a little while. You need to stay with them and they need to be in a very secured area because they're super, super duper um, vulnerable to predators when they're that little, especially. Um, but they can go outside for a little while because if you think about it, you know, a mother hen would be taking their baby chicks around outside. It's a great way to introduce them to the environment outside so they get exposed to some of the the things that are in the soil. Um, that's really good for them, and it will give them gradual exposure, and it'll also make them more hardy for when they're ready to go outside full time. And usually by the time they're about four weeks old, they can stay outside for a, a little bit longer, and you need to keep an eye on them. And then by the time they're six weeks old, depending on what the weather is outside, they can usually stay outside for the majority of the day and then come in at night. So I just wanted to, you know, start out giving you just the basics. And now we're going to go into the questions that I got, because right now I'm getting lots of questions about moving baby chicks outside because it's that time of year. So I see I'm getting a lot of questions on the chat I'm just going to answer um, the questions that were submitted through my website first, and then I'm going to open the chat up for questions. So if you can just hang on to your questions and wait until I open it up, then you can ask and hopefully I will get to it. Um, and if you do want to ask a question, you just go to my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com and submit your question through the contact section. All right. So. Chloe sent in a question. Chloe says, I bought some Pekin frizzled chicks. So cute. <laughs> they're six, week, six weeks old and not fully feathered yet. So they're inside with supplemental heat. So that's an example of, you know, these are small bantams. They're frizzles. So their feathers aren't the same as like a regular chicken. And so even though they're six weeks old and they're probably almost fully feathered, she's still got them inside with supplemental heat and they probably need that. Um, I have researched a lot about them and I know they get colder than other chickens do to being frizzled. Doing your research. <laughs> um, I was wondering when would be best to put them outside? At what age roughly due to them having different feathers for warmth? So Chloe is in the UK um, and, you know, I think that I, it depends on where you are, but your weather is probably similar to where I am. It's, it's relatively mild. I know it rains a lot, but it's not like you're under 10 feet of snow. Um, so I would wait until definitely until they're eight weeks old and they might be eight weeks old. Cause I think you submitted this question a couple weeks ago. Um, to put them outside. And you could even wait longer than that. You know, you could wait until they're nine or 10 weeks old if you were concerned. And you can put them outside for a period of time and then bring them in like I was talking about earlier. But I think that, and you know, I say this because I'm in a very similar climate to you probably, depending on where you are. But I had a, a frizzle and she lived until I think she was about nine years old. Um, and it gets below freezing here. It's not like that all winter, but it does get there. And um, it's pretty cold. And 
probably her last year of life, I should have been bringing her in. So as she got older, I needed to bring her in at night. But when she was younger, uh, she did absolutely fine in my climate. And I think that if you let them acclimate to your climate, that they will be hardier and they will do better than offering them supplemental heat. Now, I'm saying this and I don't know completely what your climate is. So you could consider adding a a panel heater. And I'm, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm fairly certain you guys have those in the UK because you guys have all the extra stuff in the UK when it comes to chickens. I am jealous of what you guys have over there. You guys have some awesome stuff. So because they love their chickens in the UK. All right. Um, so if you were concerned going forward, then you could get a, a panel heater. Um, you know, I think mainly when people are like, don't add supplemental heat. The main thing is obviously, you know, a heat lamp is, it presents more of a fire hazard than, than really you should be dealing with. Um, so there's that and heat lamps, even if they're super secure, they, there's been instances where they exploded. There's been instances when they just ignited because they were so dusty. So, um, they can present a problem. So I I do, I do kind of try to convince people to invest in a panel heater or, you know, another type of radiant heater if they're going to add supplemental heat for the coop. So, um, that's something that you can consider going forward in your, uh, frizzle journey, (laughs) which is so fun. So Chloe had another question. Uh, she said also at what age do you introduce chickens? I'm, uh, imagining that she has an existing flock and she's looking at slowly integrating them. Um, so the first thing I'd like you to do is watch my video and I'm going to put this link in the description and also in the show notes. It's how to integrate new chickens into an existing flock. And I have definitely integrated all kinds of chickens in with my very diverse flock. I've got big chickens. I've got little chickens, you know, I've got chickens with floofy heads and (laughs) so you can do it. It just, sometimes it takes a little bit longer and especially if they're different sizes. But generally what I will say is your baby chicks, you want them to be either almost the same size as your existing flock or you want them to be the same age. And when I say age, I don't mean like the chronological age, but you want them to be in the same phase of life. So Basically, you want them to be either the same size or an adult if your existing flock is adults. So uh, an example of this is that I, you know, I have these tiny, tiny little chickens and I'm, I'm making, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm making a gesture with my hands. It's like a softball size. <laughs> so I have really tiny chickens and I have integrated them in with my flock and I haven't had a problem because... I will not, like, I will wait for them to be the same age. So they need to reach adulthood before I will integrate them into the flock. Otherwise, there's just too much of a chance of them getting bullied. Um, and I've seen that before, and it's not it's not fun. So a grown hen, even if she's t- teeny tiny, 
is going to defend herself a lot better than a young chicken. So that is my reasoning behind that. And then, of course, if you have standard-sized chickens and you're integrating standard-sized chicks in, once they get about, you know, 12 weeks, they're, they're pretty big. So you could start the integration process then, I would think. And just go slow and be patient. All right. So Tina has a question. We're moving the ladies to the brand new coop this weekend. <gasps> Exciting. They've been in our sunroom. They're about seven weeks old. What is the best way to get them used to their coop or run? Should we keep them in the coop for a couple of days? Should we let them enjoy the run the day we take them out and then at night shoo them into their coop? <laughs> I don't want to stress them out. Thank you for your time. Well, um, that's good that you don't want to stress them out. We don't want to start them out like being stressed out. <laughs> that's not good. Um, if your coop is big enough, I would keep them in the coop for a day or two to get them used to, the, you know, to get them to know that this is their home. The coop is their home. You know, I know some people are just like, you know, they put their chicks in, in the backyard. The coop is there and the chicks, chickens don't know they're supposed to go to the coop. <laughs> So they're just like in the backyard. You don't want to do that. Um, you can put them in the coop for a couple of days. If your run is attached to the coop, you can put them, you can let them loose in the run. And then at night they should, that's a big should, they should go up into the coop to roost. But they might not. And so... Um, you can get a little LED light and put it inside the coop. And usually they will go up towards the light. Uh, another thing you can do, which is what I did. I went outside and I picked them up and I put them all on the roost <laughs> like a, like a good mother hen. Um, and I had to do that a few times before they realized, okay, this is what we're supposed to do at night. So, um, it does take a little bit of patience sometimes, um, but there's no, no, there's no shame in your chicken game. If you gotta, if you gotta go out there and, and be the mother hen and put them in the coop, you just gotta do it. I wouldn't wait until it was completely dark before I did that. I would, um, try to get them in there at dusk mainly because it is not safe. And unless your coop, your run is really secure, um, you don't want them to be outside of the coop at night. You want them to be nice and locked up in the coop so that no critters, critters are going to get any ideas about chicken dinner. Okay, guys, I am done with my questions that were submitted. If you want to submit a question to Bok Talk, you can go to welcometochickenlandia.com, go to the contact section, and pick Ask a Chicken Question. And I, if it's relevant, I'm trying to, I'm getting lots of questions, guys. Um, and as I, as I get more viewers and followers, I get more questions. Um, so I do have to be a little bit more picky with the questions that I choose, but I try to get to everybody. So I am just going through here just to see if I'm getting some questions on the chat. Sunny's Place says, my younger flock won't go in to the roost at night because the ducks like to hang out. Those ducks. I have a few ladies that love to chill with the ducks, so I have to go out and put them up at dusk. 
Okay, yeah. It happens. So Wild Kingdom 2012 asked, Hello, can anyone give us a quick tip for chicks that ate wood shavings? Their crops are full and we fear they will die. They're two weeks old. So uh, Wild Kingdom 2012, I'm so sorry that happened. That That's awful. Um, you know, that that's a very serious problem. And I... I'm pretty, you know, first of all, I have to say I'm not a veterinarian. So any kind of emergency care, I really can't advise you with, um, you know, like a like a veterinarian can. And I and I shouldn't do that because I'm not qualified to do that. Uh, I think if it were me and I could and if I could, I would definitely seek veterinary help for that. One thing that you could try to do is give a couple of drops, and this is depending on, I didn't see how old your chick was, but maybe a couple drops of olive oil and kind of try and massage that area and see if that will help it to pass. But that unfortunately is a very serious issue, and um, it sounds like the crop is impacted. And in my opinion, that needs to be handled by a veterinarian. There are some people that will do surgery on crops. I don't recommend that, but the information is out there. The reason I don't recommend it is because, um, you know, anytime you perform any type of surgery at home, you're creating a situation where there could be, you can introduce infection and it could become worse of a problem. So, um, and it also, depending on the situation, might not be safe for you. So um, that's what I would do. I would contact a veterinarian for that. And I am so sorry. My garden and the dinosaurs who live there. Do you have any experience of hens with high breathing rate, but no other, other symptoms of a respiratory condition? You know, I, I, I don't know. That could be any number of things. And again, you know, that's kind of like something to ask a veterinarian, but I will say, you know, if it's, if the temperature, if it's hot, they will breathe faster. But if they're not, you know, if you're not seeing any other problems, then I wouldn't worry too much about it. But, you know, that's just something that it, that would need a veterinarian's diagnosis. Uh, I did have a respiratory thing in my flock and that was one of the, the symptoms, but also they were, they got pretty lethargic. So I do have a video that talks about respiratory health. I actually have two videos about respiratory um, health in chickens. And one of them is called like chickens sneezing. Here's what to do. <laughs> and it's just a, a very simple action plan. Obviously, it's not veterinary care. It's just something that you can do. It's supportive care that you can do at home. And um, there might be some things in that video that would be helpful to you, just uh, supportive wise for your chickens. And then I do talk about uh, homeopathy for chickens in another video. And I cannot remember the name of it. What is it? natural care for two for for injury and shock uh, or for illness and shock and the illness that i'm talking about in that video is respiratory illness and i will put both of those um links in the description and in the, and in the show notes for you 
Uh, so you can check that out. But I hope it's nothing serious. And which one is it? Which chicken is it? My garden and the dinosaurs who live there. Let me know. And Wild Kingdom 2012 says, thank you for your advice. You're welcome. I, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I feel powerless when people have conditions like that. Um, because I can't really, there's not much that I can offer. And I know that as a chicken keeper, when those things happen, I also feel powerless because it's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? So I hope you can find a solution. Tammy S. Tam has a question. Your thoughts on using diatomaceous earth? Seems people are split 50 yes and 50 no. Okay. So Tammy, if you've been watching my channel for a long time, you know that diatomaceous earth, when you get me started, I just, I can't stop. <laughs> um, it is controversial. I do use diatomaceous earth. And um, <clears throat> I'm just going to give the spiel. And I apologize to the people that have heard it, but I think it's important information to be out there. So there are two kinds of diatomaceous earth. There is amorphous diatomaceous earth, which is a food grade. That's what you would find in food grade diatomaceous earth. And there's crystalline diatomaceous earth. Uh, crystalline diatomaceous earth is dangerous for your lungs. Um, there have been studies on people that have worked with it for a long term, uh, for a long time, you know, long term exposure. And they would end up with lung damage uh, from that long term exposure. Amorphous is considered safe, um, generally safe. Now, what people get concerned about, well, first of all, a lot of times people don't know that there are two times, types of diatomaceous earth. And a lot of the information out there, and even from like the big uh, bloggers that are generally putting out really good information, they will leave that part out. They will say, you know, diatomaceous earth is, is dangerous, but they won't talk, they won't make the distinction between the two types of diatomaceous earth. So I think that's really important because one of those types carries a, a big risk and the other one carries a very small risk. So that's important to know. Now, what is concerning to some people is that there will be, there could be a small, a minute amount of crystalline diatomaceous earth in amorphous diatomaceous earth. So that is the concern. But amorphous diatomaceous earth is in so much of our stuff. It's like in our food, is in our toothpaste. Um, you know, it could be like in, in a lots of products that we use every single day. We're exposed to it a lot. Um, and it's used so much because it's considered safe. So um, I still will wear a mask when I'm using it, when I'm like dumping it and, and there's a lot of dust coming up, but I, I also will wear a mask just if I'm cleaning out the coop because all that dust, I don't want to get that dust in my lungs. That's not, not good for you. But the reason that I, that I use diatomaceous earth is because I feel like the, the small risk that it presents is one that I'm willing to to absorb versus the risk if I had to use a lice or my or mite treatment that um, carries a significant risk. So one example of that, and and you know, when you think about treatments for mites and lice, uh, most of them that are recommended, like if you were to go on a Facebook page and ask, "What do I use for mites and lice?" You know, people will say ivermectin. Uh, people will say frontline. Those things are not 
uh, approved for use in chickens. So, uh, and I have had a chicken literally drop dead from ivermectin, just drop dead. After that experience, I was like, you know, I need to be really careful with what I'm using on my chickens and in my chickens. So does diatomaceous earth have a risk? Yes, it does. Am I willing to absorb that risk when I compare it to a risk of the other treatments that we're using for mites and lice? Yes, I, I am willing to absorb that risk. So I'm I'm pro diatomaceous earth. I'm coming out right now as pro diatomaceous earth. <laughs> so <laughs> don't click unsubscribe. <laughs> All right. So I have time for just a few more questions. We're at the 30 minute mark. Uh, Firefox asks, my chick isn't growing. Do you have any suggestions? So sometimes a chick will um, just be like a runt and be smaller than the rest of the chickens. Sometimes they do quite, they do okay. And, uh, and sometimes they don't do okay. Um, I'm not really sure what your situation is, but if I had a little chick and it just wasn't thriving as much as the rest of its flock mates, I might try supplementing just that specific chick with a little bit of raw egg yolk in it, like a syringe you can do like a needleless syringe. And I would just put like little drops on the side of their beak so they can kind of slurp it up. You got to be really careful because you can drown a chicken super easy syringe feeding him. So um, that's what I would do just to get a little bit. I do that a few times a day. Just get a little bit of extra nutrition in that chicken. You can also get some hard-boiled egg yolk, crumple it up, put it around the brooder, and they'll all eat that. And that's really good for them. And uh, some people are like, egg yolk, they're, they're eating, you know, that's cannibalism. But actually what you're doing is you're giving them the nutrition that they would have in the egg. So um, I think that is good for them. <laughs> Saffron Moon said, oh, no, don't ask the president about diatomaceous earth. <laughs> you did it. You opened, you, you opened, what is it, Pandora's box. So Firefox, I hope that helps. Um, if you have any more specific questions, go to my website and uh, you could talk to me through the contact section. Kiss My Grass says, we use mealworms to get our chickens to go into the coop every night. Smart. <laughs> One of our hens is fighting us. <laughs> She's fighting you not to go into the coop? What can we do? Oh my goodness. What kind of hen is this? You know, will they go in on their own? Like if you, if you leave her, will she go in on her own? What, um, or are you putting them in before it gets dark? Cause usually at dusk, they'll go in naturally, um, after a few times and she probably won't want to stay out there by herself. So I would, I would see if she goes in on her own. Um, and if not, you know, if she's fighting you, I guess you could wait until it gets a little bit darker, find where she is, and then she'll be she'll be kind of in that roost mode where they're like comatose almost. And you can just pick her up easily and put her in. But that is crazy. She's fighting you. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, they're five weeks old. Okay. So Kiss My Grass said they're five weeks old. They're still babies. She's learning. You know, just be patient with her. 
<laughs> her name is Pebbles. Our Pebbles is stubborn, she says. Um, yeah, you just want to be patient and keep keep trying. She's she's still a little baby. She's kind of like a teenager right now. You know how teenagers can be. Renee Coles, thank you for the positive, fun videos. Love from hot 92 degree Michigan. <laughs> wow. It's about, I think it's in the, it's in the sixties and probably low sixties or, or high fifties today here in Bellingham, Washington. If you don't know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. So, um, I have a question here, uh, from Matt Campbell. Hello. Thank you for being here. If your chicken is panting, what do you do? So, Matt, is it is it hot where you live? Um, you know, when when it's hot, chickens will have have their mouths open and uh, they kind of look like they're panting. But they're, that's a, a way that they're cooling off. And I I think the main thing that you need to do is just make sure that they're not getting too hot. And I do have a video. It's an old video, so it's just a little bit cringy. <laughs> um, but I'll put that video in the description. It's uh, how to keep your chickens cool in the summer. And it just has a, a few ideas in keeping them cool. You know, you can give them like cold watermelon or cold berries. Uh, you could even get like a jug, fill it up with water, freeze that, and then put that in their coop. You can get a few of those and put that in their coop or in, the, in their little area. And that will cool it down a little bit. I'll also go outside and kind of just uh, use the hose and kind of hose things down just to cool them off. And you can offer them like a shallow dish of water. And sometimes if it's if it's hot enough, they'll go and they'll stand in that dish. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like kind of like a sitting at the side of the pool and putting your feet in the in the pool. So guys, I'm going to answer one more question. I'm sorry, we're getting towards the end here. I have a question from Muhammad. I don't have any chickens. <laughs> I don't have any chickens. What am I doing here? I can't answer that question. <laughs> but I'm glad you're here. By the way, I like chicken talk on your channel. <laughs> All right, I'll look for some, another question. <laughs> If you have a chicken that is eating your eggs, oh, that is so, okay, there it is. My chickens keep eating eggs. How do I stop this? Oh boy, that's frustrating. So the first thing that I would do is make sure, you know, think about what you're feeding your chickens. Make sure they're getting all their nutritional needs met. If you're doing lots of treats, um, you may want to cut back on that. You want them to mostly, you know, if you have a problem like this, I would say try to get them to mostly eat their layer feed. Make sure you're feeding a, a quality layer feed and offer them a calcium supplement. So I would do that. The best way to do that is with oyster shell. And you can usually buy that either online or on a, at your local farm store. Um, and you can offer that in a separate dish. And then uh, if you can't, if you don't have access to oyster shell or you don't want to um, have that extra expense, you can actually take their eggs and crush them down and feed those, not their eggs, their egg shells and crush those down. So the empty egg shells, crush them down and then feed those back to them. And that's what I'm doing right now because I'm just not getting to the store as much. Um, we're just now kind of coming out of lockdown. 
So um, I haven't been giving them oyster shell. I've been giving them crushed up eggs, a crushed up eggshell. Um, and that, that would be fine for them. Um, and make sure they're getting enough protein. And then I also will take golf balls and I will put the golf balls in the nests um, and make sure that I am collecting those eggs twice a day, which is kind of a pain, but you got to do it to just, you'd want the, to break them out of that habit. So um, whoever's eating the eggs, if they're pecking on these golf balls and not getting any reward, hopefully that will kind of snap them out of it. And, and if you know who it is, you can remove that chicken from the flock, give it a lot of good nutrition, keep it in a, in a nice area with food and water. And then when it lays, you just keep an extra eye on that and get the eggs out and replace them with golf balls. So that's my, my best advice for you. Good luck with that. Let us know how that goes. So guys, we're coming up on 40 minutes and you know, I like to keep it short and sweet here in Chickenlandia. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you to everybody that was on my live uh, feed here. And for everyone that's listening to the podcast, if you'd like to ask a chicken question and submit it to Bok Talk, you can go to my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com, press the contact section, and then there's a little scroll down menu. It says, ask a chicken question. I want you to click that and submit your question. And as always, you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. This is 100% friendly backyard chicken edu education and entertainment. And I'm so glad that we got to spend this time together. We will see you next time. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit WelcomeToChickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.